Decades of studies from respected institutions have demonstrated the significant impacts of porn consumption on individuals, relationships, and society. Truth About Porn is a current, ever-growing database dedicated to giving visibility to the research on the harmful effects of pornography. Access the latest studies and watch expert interviews to brush up on the research detailing the harms of pornography. Get the facts at truthaboutporn.org. My name is Garrett Johnson, and you're listening to Consider Before Consuming, a podcast by Fight the New Drug. And in case you're new here, Fight the New Drug is a non-religious and non-legislative organization that exists to provide individuals the opportunity to make an informed decision regarding pornography by raising awareness on its harmful effects using only science, facts, and personal accounts. We want these conversations to be educational, uplifting, and hopeful as we sit down with experts, influencers, activists, and people with personal accounts, we cover a wide variety of topics that may be triggering to some. You can refer to the episode notes for a specific trigger warning. Listener discretion is advised. Today's episode is with Candace Diaz. Candace is married to Alex, who we also sat down with in a separate conversation. Candace is a wife and a mom to two young kids. She enjoys the little things that make life enjoyable, and she also knows how to fight. During this conversation, we discuss betrayal trauma, how her husband's porn consumption negatively impacted her body image, and how she and her husband are navigating their recovery today. With that being said, let's jump into the conversation. We hope you enjoy this episode of Consider Before Consuming. Candice, we are excited to be speaking with you today. And uh, we just want to, first of all, say thank you for joining us. Yeah, and thank you for having me. Absolutely. We are always so grateful for people coming on the podcast. And uh, we know that, well, you have kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, we know how challenging it can be to get all the, of the logistics taken care of around that. So we're even more grateful that you're with us today because you made all that happen. Oh, thank you. And before we talk about how pornography has impacted your life, uh, before going abruptly into that, (laughs) I always think it's cool to get to know you a little bit better. I think it's helpful for the listener to get to know you a little bit better as well. Uh, Can you talk to kind of who you are and what you're up to today, what your day-to-day looks like? Yeah, so like you mentioned, kids, I'm a stay-at-home mom, so... Majority of my time is, you know, spent being with my babies. I have a almost two-year-old and a four-year-old, cool. and then um, and a you, lot of. Sorry oh, to interrupt ahead. you. I was just going to say the the word that stood out to me in all of the explanation was uh, the word majority, like the majority of your time. <laughs> yeah. I just say that because, like, as a parent myself, I know that it's like maybe majority is not the best word. Maybe it's like all of your time, like every <laughs> second of every day. I don't yeah. know if that's the case for you, but I kind of feel that way sometimes. Yeah, that is actually true. <laughs> all but, the time. But anyway, I interrupted you. What else? What does your day to day look like other than that stuff? <laughs> Um, yeah, so other than that, I spend a lot of my time working on Instagram, um, spreading awareness about this, actually. And right now, I've been super busy creating an online course for women who have gone through betrayal trauma. So that has been a lot of stuff. Wow. That's cool. Can you talk more to the course that you're creating? Or is it still in the works and you're not ready to reveal any of that information yet? 
No, I'm all I have left is to record it, but basically, I share all the steps that I took to help my healing. So I go more in depth of like body image, um, understanding the addiction, finding ourselves again, um, just working on your relationship with yourself. And then eventually, we're me and my husband also want to do one for couples, like helping couples become closer together. Cool. That's amazing. So it's like, almost seems like based on my interpretation of your program, it's like the thing that the things that or I guess some of the things that you've experienced through your personal account on how pornography has negatively impacted your life, you're like taking those. And you're saying, like, this is what happened to me. And this is how what well, this is what helped me. And this is and then you're just kind of facilitating healing. Is that yeah. kind of the goal? Yeah, that's my goal. Because I mean, we've gone to a lot of therapists and they were helpful, but a lot of times things weren't so helpful for on my side of it. And mm. so... Interesting. Yeah, like it just... It's not very common to talk about um, the wife or the partner's perspective. Like betrayal trauma with this gets... Um, what's the word? Like swept under the rug or like put on the back burner? Yeah, it's just not really understood as much. Oh, okay, so, yeah. So my goal is to help women with the things that have helped me and get rid of the things that weren't so helpful. Dude, that's awesome. Thanks. I think that's pretty cool that you're creating this program. I think it will be helpful for people. Thank you. Anything else that would help us better understand who is Candace? Um, I love Target Runs, Dr. Pepper. Target Runs, okay. Yeah, and I just got my husband the Switch for Christmas, so we've been playing a lot of Mario. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, that's getting in super touch fun. with our inner child. <laughs> for sure. That's awesome. That seems really fun. Um, Candace, as I you know prepared for this conversation, I looked at your social media, and one of the things that I saw, like this recurring thing that I saw, was you in a Fight the New Drug porn kills love <laughs> shirt and yes. uh, the reason why that stood out to me I guess my question is like I, I would assume that based on the fact that you're posting in that recurringly that you agree with the statement that porn kills love yes I <laughs> absolutely do <laughs> <laughs> and I know that uh, you have a personal account where it has negatively impacted your life. So I'm wondering if like you can talk to that a little bit more and talk about how porn affected the love within your relationship. I don't think that people understand how much it can actually kill your love until you're going through it and experiencing it. Um, because of the effects porn had on our relationship, I actually got to the point where I didn't even believe in love at all anymore, Ooh. as weird as that sounds. That's like, interesting. Yeah, it felt impossible to have. And like with um, my husband continuously viewing porn, even though like it hurt me and like at the time I did not understand the porn addiction or like porn problems at all. Yeah. So it really felt personal. Right. Um, and so it caused me to think he didn't even love or value me. Dang. And then... At the same time, my view of him was starting to get different. Like, my love for him 
felt like it was dying a little bit because of how much she wanted to view porn. Um, and so, yeah, it just became consumed with my thoughts and like we would distance from each other. Wow. Um, emotionally, sexually, physically, we just became so distant and resentful in a way. So there was no possible way for our love to continue growing because it was so consumed with all of that. Right. I can, I can imagine, and I have to imagine because I'm not you, but as a young girl, before you were married, I would imagine that you had this, almost like this picture of what love would feel like or what your relationship with your spouse would feel like or be like. And then all of a sudden you're caught in the reality of like this challenge and you're mm-hmm. like, oh my goodness, this is not what I expected. And... uh that can be, you can feel really hopeless in some of those moments, I'm sure. Yeah, I actually talk a lot about this on my course. It's, I felt betrayed in a whole new way from like media, my parents, like everyone made me feel like love was this perfect little fairy tale, yeah. but it's not. Right. And it's okay that it's not. Yeah, okay. I like that. Well, that's awesome. Thanks for being vulnerable and sharing some of those things because. You're welcome. I think that a lot of our listeners will be able to relate and learn from your experience. And, you know, it's never easy to talk about these things. Yeah. I've gotten used to it now. Is it getting easier for you? (laughs) Yeah, now it's just part of my daily stuff. Cool. Well, that's good. Do you feel like talking about these things puts you into like a re-traumatized state where you're kind of having to relive some of those things? Or do you find it cathartic? I used to, for sure, when I wasn't fully, like, when I was still in the depths of my pain and stuff. Right. But now I find it freeing in a way where I can um, talk about and help others to normalize, like, this side of the situation, too. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, just the benefit of talking about something can be very cathartic and very healing if it's an appropriate, healthy way. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool. I'm glad that you're in that spot in your journey. That's a pretty cool place to be because you had to work to get here. Yeah, thank you. It took a lot of work. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. I can imagine. Well, one question I have is regarding how your relationship kind of developed with your partner. Because I'm wondering, like, did you know about his porn consumption before you two got married? Yeah, I did, actually. Um, I don't think I realized what it fully meant, though, to have a problem with porn. Mm, Yeah. But I even told him, like, one of the last times he viewed it was a couple weeks before our wedding, and I told him I would not get married if this was going to enter into our marriage. And he, like, promised me it wouldn't because I don't think he really understood. How soon into your relationship did you start to identify that porn was disrupting the intimacy and harmony within your relationship? Well, three weeks into marriage is when it became a problem again, so pretty quickly. Yeah. And um, it definitely disrupted everything about our intimacy. It trained, like, viewing porn a lot, like, hit my husband's majority of sexual experiences was with porn, so it trained my husband to prefer porn. So it was kind of hard for us to grow in our intimacy together when we were both like 
needed this in the first place. Yeah. And um, I felt very distant when we did, when we were intimate together. I felt like he actually would rather be alone and I was in the way. Right. I I can't relate to that on a personal level, but I can I can speculate to how I would feel or like the challenging aspect of that. Like that must have been a big barrier for mm-hmm. you. Like I I can only imagine that that thought in your head and the betrayal trauma that you were experiencing like disrupted your ability to be present during sexual intimacy with him. Oh yeah, the whole time all I could think about was who is he thinking about? Like is he being present with me or like I was never present with him because I was thinking if he was being present with me and right. we just could never connect. And it actually took five years before we actually had a good intimacy experience. And that was after last year, after he went to rehab for this, for porn, mm-hmm. um, we've been able to grow our intimacy a lot. Wow. But it took that long. Wow. So it's not something that's going to change overnight in some cases, in most Mm-mm. cases. Yeah, in most cases. Yeah, I don't know if I believe in like, I guess I believe in it sometimes, like spontaneous recovery, where it's like from one day to another, the person changes. Yeah. I guess I believe in that. I think that is possible that it happens, but I'd say the very, very large majority, it doesn't happen that way. It requires time and effort and pain and suffering and talk therapy and all those things. Definitely. I don't know if this is true or not. This is just an observation that I've made. And as you were talking, it came to mind. Uh, I've really never thought of this comparison before this conversation. But you mentioned how he would almost prefer pornography. Like, I think you said that pornography trained him to prefer it over connection with a real person. And... I have kids and we have a Nintendo in our house and we have TVs in our house and I know that our kids enjoy some screen time. And sometimes when they engage in a lot of screen time, it's tough to like get them to go outside. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. I don't know if this relates and (laughs) I, I, I already said it like this is just my casual observation. It's nothing like it's not very scientific, but I'm just wondering if there's something to that, like the same thing where your kid, if you spend too much time in front of a screen, it can train them to enjoy that over going out and doing other activities. Yeah. And I think it could be similar. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I've never thought of that either, but I think it's very similar. And what we've realized like through therapy and talking with each other is like porn was the easy way. Mm -hmm. So like... um. When you're used to that and that's what your experiences were, it's easier to go, you know, view porn than try to be with someone. And another thought on intimacy as we're talking about this, um, on top of like the emotional stuff I mentioned about, you know, being hurt and stuff, there was the fact that we were both on different like cycles of wanting sex. Mm. So there was like no harmony in us being able to grow that because... Like, for example, when if, when he wanted it or, like, got triggered to go view it, he would just go, you know, do his thing to porn. And then when I would initiate it, he would either say no because it was fulfilled or because he felt guilty or something. So it was really hard to, like, for us to grow in that. Right. 
I think this is probably a stupid question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Okay. I don't want to be assumptive. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever wonder if your relationship would last? Oh, yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. We, yeah, almost every day, to be honest, when we were in the thick of it all. Um, or every time a relapse would happen, it was like tearing me down all over. And we're like, oh, my gosh, are we going to get divorced? Like, it was awful. Right. And it wasn't just me. Like, we both would actually consistently wonder. Yeah. And you're kind of laughing about it now because they say, you know, they say that stress plus time equals humor or it becomes, yeah, com- that's becomes comical a little bit. But I'm sure yeah. in the moment it was no laughing matter. Oh, no. It was not funny at all. And we've made it this far into the conversation, but there might be some listeners who might not be very familiar with the term betrayal trauma. Can you kind of give a definition as to what that is or what it was in your experience? Yeah. Okay, so one thing about betrayal trauma that's hard with porn especially is that it's really misunderstood. And so a lot of times, well, first it feels like we're not allowed to open up about it because it's not our thing to share. Like our partner is the one doing it. So whenever I did end up sharing with someone, the responses I would get is, well, he's a guy, what do you expect? Or all men do it. Or they would accuse me of not having sex with him or making him fulfilled. And that was always the first reaction. And I've come to found that most women get these responses, like people who reach out to me on my Instagram. Um, All of them say that's all people tell me. And so then we start to feel like, okay, it must just, it must be me either I have this expectation that's too high or I should just come to terms that all men view porn and it should be okay. Or You just get so confused with what is real or not. Yeah. It's almost like a form of victim blaming. Yeah. And the hardest part about it was it was people who were friends or family, like people or your therapist even, like Mm. people who you would think to you know, at least, at least see both sides of it. It's not like you're trying to hurt your partner or anything, but like just to see that it can cause pain. Yeah. So for me, I felt betrayed not only by my husband, but by everybody. Oh, wow. Yeah. Almost like your therapist as well in certain situations, because I would assume that you have this expectation of your therapist to be you know, balanced and healthy and well-rounded and have good perspectives on all areas. But it sounds like in your case, maybe your therapist was, might've been a good therapist, but maybe that person had never really experienced betrayal trauma or had never like specialized in it. Definitely didn't. And it was not good advice. I don't think they really had experience in anything regarding porn. So. Dang. Yeah, and it was like our marriage counselor, so like I felt really dumb and not seen. And then Alex was like, "Okay, so I'm, I'm good. Good to go. This is normal." <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it ended up being worse for him. Like he didn't actually get real help. We mm. got rid of that therapist pretty quickly. But yeah, but yeah, another thing at the time I didn't realize that I was experiencing betrayal trauma. I just felt like betrayed by my husband and then as the years went by I did some research on betrayal trauma because I felt dumb calling my experience traumatic Mm -hmm. I don't know I just felt like it's not that big a deal compared 
to other trauma, but we actually experience the same things that people experience with real trauma because it is, you know, traumatic for us. So yeah, it, it's just you, a different type that you had never heard of, I guess. Yeah, like we could get um, like I did research on um, symptoms or like things that can happen from feeling trauma and like we can get flashbacks or like physical symptoms even as like shaking headaches and like guilt that we're not able to fix it or shame or wow just all the same things yeah do you have a moment that stands out to you as like your low of lows or like one of the moments that's the most that you felt the most hopeless I have quite a few, but my lowest low is probably, um, it started three years into our marriage. I had this feeling that I needed to back off of our recovery and just let my husband take control of it and let him choose what he wanted. And I shared with him that I was at the point where I just, I couldn't do this anymore. And so I gave him that year and throughout the year everything was going great like he would reassure me that he wasn't even thinking about porn um it wasn't a problem anymore and he even went to the extent of like reproposing so we could do our five-year renewal vows um so I was just on cloud nine like finally we're you know we're doing this we're healing but then something still felt wrong like I could tell something was off but thought it was just all in my head, like me needing to heal more. But then the truth came out that that entire year he had gotten worse in his addiction and it was all a lie. And he had never lied before. So this was a whole new um, experience for me. And that was the lowest I've ever felt. I went from thinking we healed, we're doing this to... Um, completely alone. Wow, I didn't think I'd get emotional. But yeah, I went um, completely different than I expected. And shortly after that, he left for a three-month rehab experience. So I not only did that, but I had to be a single mom for three months to our kids and try to pretend like everything's okay for them. And we couldn't even, me and my husband couldn't even have contact. So it was definitely the most lonely I've ever felt. You have me a little bit emotional as well. Oh. <laughs> and I didn't live that experience. Mm. Do you feel like the tears today are tears of gratitude or are you still kind of working through some of that pain I feel like I feel like they're gratitude I definitely feel um there's still a little bit of pain there I mean when I think about it it doesn't normally um, get me this choked up actually yeah. because I, now I'm grateful that happened so that he could it led him to get the proper help 
But I guess running through memory lane, talking about this really got me. Yeah. I think anyone that's experienced betrayal trauma can relate. And so I just want to, I just want to state that to help you understand that those tears are okay. And, Thank you. Um, <clears throat> yeah. We appreciate you being vulnerable. I think that uh, your vulnerability is going to be a powerful tool for our listeners. So we appreciate that. Thank you. Well, you mentioned the therapy um, that he went to. You mentioned, I do not want to breeze over the work, the amount of workload that you had to take on during his therapy. Like you mentioned that all of a sudden you're a single mom and you can't even communicate with him and the level of loneliness and hopelessness and just curiosity of how is this going to work out? Man. Yeah. You're a champion. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Thank you. Are there any other practical steps that you two have taken that you think other people could benefit hearing about? Yeah. So besides the things I mentioned, like uh, therapy and rehab, there's a lot we do. So every day we do a daily check-in where we update each other, um, not just about recovery, but on our feelings, needs, all of that. And so we're able to communicate and also, it helps knowing that every day we will end up talking about this at some point. So, like, there's no, like, I know a lot of couples will experience, like, um, just fears regarding when to bring it up or, like, should we talk about it? Um, so when you have that every day, it makes it more of not, like, this stressful thing. It's just like, oh, yeah, how are you doing yeah. about that? Because I think it would be easy to go, you know, months. All of a sudden you've gone six months and haven't talked about it. Oh, yeah. We experienced that at times. Yeah. Um, And then also we have, like, boundaries set in place, like, as a couple boundaries. And then he has boundaries for himself. Um, So those two things have been helpful on the daily. That's cool. Healthy boundaries are healthy. Yeah, <laughs> they are. <laughs> well, awesome. Um, we want to be loyal to the absent because your husband isn't currently on the line with us. Like, he's not here to speak up for himself, you know? Yeah. <laughs> because as I was preparing for the conversation, I saw that you've stated before online that slipping up is not recovery. And I'm just wondering if you can talk about why you hold that perspective. Yeah, so first, just so everyone's aware, my husband actually helped me write that post. So he's fully on board with talking about this um, and agrees with that statement now. The reason why we're so, um, we believe in that is because the majority of our recovery journey, whether it's a therapist, they would all say the same thing regarding relapses, which was expect to slip up. It's part of recovery. Or they would tell me, if you're going to be married to him, you need to accept that he's going to slip up. Like, that's just part of it. And when people would tell us this, it would make me feel hopeless, but also give him the excuse that it was okay to do it. Like, in his mind, 
He was like, well, if my therapist said that it's part of recovery, then green light, I can go and not feel like I need to not do it. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the perpetual, like, last cigarette, if we're comparing it to, like, oh, yeah. a person who smokes. It's like the perpetual, like, one more time, one more time. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yes. That's actually how Alex explains it. He's like, it always was like that one more time feeling, and you always believe that will be the last. But then when it comes, you give in because you're like, well, it's, I'm recovering as part of it. Like, Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I want to, you know, we truly believe that slipping up is not choosing recovery. But if a slip up happens, it doesn't mean you've failed. Like, there needs to be this balance of getting, not going into the shame cycle of, like, I've slipped up. I'm not progressing. But picking yourself up and being like, okay, that doesn't mean I... I'm not failing, but like, what can I do to help prepare me for next time? Because that wasn't like a complete win in my recovery journey. Something needs like to be helped. Yeah. Well, my observation of you is that you have paid the price. You know, you've experienced betrayal trauma, you know what it feels like, you know, those challenges and you've pressed forward. You're, you're fighting for a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. And so I really admire you. And I'm just wondering if you have any advice for someone else who is in a relationship with someone who has a porn habit or a, some type of compulsive behavior or an addiction around pornography consumption, but that person doesn't want to change. Yeah. I would say you, the first thing is you will never be able to make someone change. No matter how hard you try, you can't change anyone. So if it's something you don't agree with or it bothers you and they're not willing to get help or want to change or they don't see it as a problem, then unfortunately you'll just have to make the choice either leave or accept that they might always do it. Mm-hmm. Is, that but, what, is that what you did during that year? Yeah, actually. Kind of? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always had that on the back of my mind because I don't get to go in his head. I don't know what he really thinks. So for me, I was like, okay, I can either accept that this might always be there or like, because for me, I always felt like I was stuck. I loved him. I didn't want him to choose porn. So I felt he was making me feel stuck because he was choosing something that I didn't want. But when I put it back on me, like, okay, I'm choosing to be here knowing this is the problem. I've got out of that stuck mindset. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's my biggest advice to people is no matter how hard you try to make someone see something, if it's not their idea, they're not going to either change or see it as a problem. Yeah. One of my favorite phrases that my mom always said was a person convinced against their will is of the same opinion still. Oh. And I like that quote a lot. So thanks, Mom. That is really cool. It kind of sounds like you're talking about letting go. Yeah. It's like you feel like you have this control, but you have none. And I focus so much energy on trying to control an addiction I didn't have. And it just made me just lose myself and 
not have any control over anything, including my own well-being, because then I was stuck in this negative mindset, um, becoming obsessed with, did he view porn, or did, was he checking that girl out, or what? what is he going to look up today, like, uh, will he actually go get help? That's all my thoughts were, and I wasn't living my life for me anymore. Yeah. It seems like it'd be really exhausting. It was very exhausting because you feel like just the most powerless. I don't know. It's just this weird feeling. And it wasn't until I decided to let go and just if he chooses that, fine. It's not what I want, but I don't have power over anyways. Mm -hmm. So if I just let go and just focus on me, I obviously need some healing. I've got some trauma going on. Then I'm able to start finding healthy ways to live and happiness again. Nice. Are you able to feel moments of bliss and happiness today? Oh, yeah. Nice. Every day. And before it was like, rare for that to happen i was always in this negative energy um trying to control something i had no control over always being let down made me first just be in that negative energy and also i there's a lot of body image issues that come up for women um who feel or who have partners who struggle with porn and so once I let go of his choices, I was able to realize that my um, happiness, my worth, my beauty wasn't defined by what he chose to do. Oh, I love that. And um, it's just crazy. I don't know if I should. Well, I'll just mention it. So I was so low, like at some point, one point in our journey that I let myself go get plastic surgery to become more attractive and that didn't even fix it like my image of myself or even my husband's choices like so that's when you realize that it's way deeper than it's not the outward appearance it's the inward you gotta look in i just want to express gratitude because it's a really vulnerable thing and vulnerability is strength and um that's really cool. I appreciate you sharing that. I mean, it's not Thanks. cool that you had to experience that. <laughs> but it's cool that you're letting people learn from your experiences. Thank you. So you mentioned that you guys try to come together daily and have a discussion about how things are going. And that seems really nice. Yeah. Um, how else has your relationship with him improved since addressing this challenge together well it's interesting actually because for us we've always been addressing it (laughs) there wasn't like any time in our relationship we weren't but the difference was um now we're equally addressing it and um me working on myself and alex working on himself and us coming together and meeting in the middle has been like so life-changing for our relationship um I wasn't I didn't feel like a babysitter anymore to him and like he made his recovery his own and so when we both did that we've been able to be more healthier and 
have the ability to love each other more because we were healthier ourselves. Yeah, that's really cool. How long have you two been, you said you dated for a year. How long have you been married? It will be six years in March. Cool. Yeah. Do you feel like that's a long time or do you feel like that's not very much time? <laughs> Me and my husband always joke. We're like, man, it's only been six years. <laughs> it feels like a lifetime. Yeah, we can all relate to that a little bit. I'm not in a position to like give you advice or like it's not my job to like provide you with hope. But I do want to say I've been married for like 11 years. My oh, wife nice. and I, and I do want to say that our challenges have really brought us closer together. Mm-hmm. And over the years, obviously there's moments where it doesn't feel that way, but in the long run, it has felt that way. And I think this is a common thing that can happen. It doesn't happen for everyone. Sometimes, I mean, unfortunately, sometimes people aren't able to stay together and it doesn't work out. But mm-hmm. from what I've seen, these are all anecdotal accounts, but it seems like some of the most healthy relationships are shared between two people who have addressed their challenges and have gone through and have paid the price. Yeah. So I think that's one of the cool benefits of, of addressing this is that not always, but it can turn out to be a really cool thing for your relationship. Yeah, honestly, I feel like we would never... Um, have become this close or understand love as much as we do without going through this. Because in my mind, it was still this like, la la fairy tale love, that's what love is. But really, love is about understanding each other's traumas and, and loving them regardless of that and getting through hard times together. And I feel like I know him way more now after going through all this. Oh, yeah. And yeah. yourself, I'm Yeah, assuming. and myself, definitely. And now I, I've gotten to the point where I'm, I'm grateful that we've been able to go through this, as weird as it may sound after yeah. hearing all the other stuff, but I am grateful that this is where we've ended up. Yeah, moments of bliss are not free. Yeah. Well, you have a significant following on social media, but it doesn't seem like you're a person who's like bought followers. No. It seems like your followers are real. <laughs> I wouldn't even know how to do that. But like. And, and you, have a, you have a significant amount. And I think the reason why your followers stick around is because you are a person who's paid the price and you, you are providing a cathartic experience for your followers. And that's a really cool thing. How has it been for you to, to have that? to have that significant following on social? Well, it's actually kind of a crazy story. So last year was like the big year where I found out Alex lied. He went to rehab. And I was not planning on talking to anybody about this. Mm -hmm. And now I talk to social media about it. Like, not what I was expecting. But in July last year, I decided, I just had this feeling, you know, I need to talk about this on social media. And so I did. And at the time, I only had 300 followers. And so it's grown so much um, in a short amount of time. And I I don't think I was fully ready. It actually comes with a price. Like, talking about this has brought a lot of hate and 
negativity, but it all ends up being worth it because it's been so cool to be able to help women not feel so alone. Like that's been the biggest blessing for me. Um, and also through my posts, I've had men who struggle with porn reach out and say like they never thought of it that way for their wives. Like they always just, you know, mm. disregarded their wives' feelings, but hearing someone else, wow, um, they've been able to see their wife's perspective. And like, that's one of my biggest goals is to help both sides see, like understand each other. Like we're in this together. Yeah. And of course we know that, you know, women can also have a challenge with pornography consumption and the guy can be on the betrayal trauma side. Yes. I was actually going to mention, I've had a few guys as well tell me that they relate um, to my side of the story. Wow. Well, that's a beautiful thing that you're doing. You're, yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Well, Candice, we feel so fortunate. I've said it already in this conversation, but I have to say it again. We just want to say thanks for being awesome and for <laughs> showing up today and showing up day in and day out so that you could show up today. Thank you. I just want to say like, it's, it's an honor for me to be on here because through the depths of my pain, fight the new drug is what helped me to understand my husband and understand mm. the bigger picture. So thank you. That's cool. Well, thank you for sharing that. We want to leave you with the opportunity to have the last word during this conversation. So if there's anything that's you know related to this conversation that's unexpressed thoughts you have that are on your heart or your mind, we'd love to hear those as well. Yeah, um, a lot of times women will ask me, like, well, how long should I give them to change? Or, like, how long should I stay? And I know everyone's situation is different. Like, people might listen to all the things I've shared and be like, well, I don't want to keep going. Or when is enough enough? Um, but I just wanted to share that the only person who will know is you. And, like, um, don't make any choice out of emotion and... Um, be under both sides need to be understanding, and um, I want everyone to also know that my husband's amazing, <laughs> even though he's struggled with this. Um, and you've heard all, you know, the hard things. I'm proud of all that he's done to overcome um, this. And the reason I'm still fighting this with him is because the effort he's put into his recovery and our relationship. And I know it may seem like it will never end but if both partners are fully committed and honest and ready to recover miracles can happen well candace thanks for joining us today and uh, let's stay in touch let us know if there's anything that we at fight the new drug can do for you or anything that our audience can do thank you yeah. thanks for having me hey listeners you're invited to the club fighter club that is if you're looking for a way to become a more active part of this movement consider joining fighter club for as little as ten dollars a month you can create a real impact by supporting our efforts to educate and raise awareness on the harms of porn plus by joining you can get insider info 30 percent off all fight the new drugs conversation starting gear access to our secret store and an exclusive fighter club kit sent to you when you sign up join fighter club today at ftnd.org forward slash fc that's ftnd.org forward slash FC. See you in the club.
Thanks for joining us on this episode of Consider Before Consuming. Consider Before Consuming is brought to you by Fight the New Drug. Fight the New Drug is a non-religious and non-legislative organization that exists to provide individuals the opportunity to make an informed decision regarding pornography by raising awareness on its harmful effects using only science facts and personal accounts. If you want to learn more about today's guest and the conversation we had, you can check out the links included with this episode. Again, big thanks to you for listening to this conversation. As you go about your day, we invite you to increase your self-awareness, look both ways, check your blind spots, and consider before consuming.